Hey, you're listening to Smoke Meat. I'm your host, Brad Pittman. Smoke Meat's brought to you today by Joe's Underground at the corner of 8th and Broad in Augusta, Georgia. Joe's is such a great place. They just treat everybody like family. Such great people. Jeremy and the gang always make sure you have a good time. So I goes to Joe's and make sure you do too. Corner of 8th and Broad in Augusta, Georgia. Our guest today is Nick, one of the hosts of the Fan Counters podcast. Uh, They've had all kind of great interviews. He's going to tell me some really good stories today. So let's get this beast kicked off here on Smoked Meat. Hey, how the hell are you today, Nick? I'm great. How are you doing? Man, if I was any better, I'd be twins. (laughs) I've heard you say that before on your show. Oh, yes. It's kind of turning into a trademark. I didn't realize it, but this is kind of my standard response. (laughs) Well, it's not it's not a standard one for everybody to have heard, so it's good. This is true. This is true. So um, I hear Fan Counters is kind of blowing up, man. Uh, We're doing well, yeah. We uh, have a little bit of an edge because we get celebrities on our show every week. So sometimes they will actually uh, promote the episode for us, and that's when we see our uh, audience spike. So, yeah, it's been really fun. Our hook of our show with these celebrities is, you know, we'll talk about their career highlights and, and funny stories and things like that. But really, we want to know what fan encounters are like with them, hence the name Fan Counters. So, we, you know, you might go to a concert and be like, oh, yeah, I met, uh, you know, fill in the blank. And they were awesome. But, you know, was that encounter awesome to the celebrity? And that's what we find out. Nice. And so we've gotten some great stories over the, time, over the years. Nice. Yeah, I know there's there's probably some really wild ones because not everybody is just a what I call a normal fan where they hey you know nice to meet you I'm happy I saw this it was great you know and and you got some people I've got you tattooed as a tramp stamp exactly <laughs> or they think that you know you're somehow magically related because they've been watching on TV for ten years and they think that you know you should know everything about them or you should be comfortable with them and. Uh, just because they've seen you on TV, that doesn't mean that they know who you are. And people forget that. Yeah, you know when they, they get they, so connected, they probably walk up to you and ask you like your six-year-old daughter's um, how she's doing. How's Pearl today? That would be creepy. <laughs> I'd be like security. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Before we kick off on the podcast, you know, I, I hear you're a filmmaker. I do. I have made six feature films i started back in 2008 with a little film called tomorrow for a dollar and we did really well with that what's funny about that film is that it was the kind of the first time anybody involved with that film had made a film so we were kind of all figuring it out together and it ended up screening at the tribeca theaters in new york city for the independent features film festival as one of their headline um, movies of that year in 2008 so that was a really good start and then from there we just kind of rode those coattails of success and started to get budgets and uh, not big budgets, but enough to not have to pay out of pocket and made five more features after that. Nice. I know. I, I bet none of them were like that first one, though, because I know, you know, I, I got a wild hair a little while back and just decided to start doing videos, you know, not feature length or anything, just little things here in the, the studio. Okay. And, and I had never done anything like that before. You know, I'd, I had bought my wife a, a green screen because she likes to do photography. And I, I kind of commandeered it in some of her lights and just uh, started doing little character videos. You know, I don't know if you've seen my YouTube or not. It's um, Brad's Comedy, all one word. But uh, I've heard about it. I haven't seen the, the videos yet. Yeah, one of my characters. And actually, one of my videos was featured on a show called the um, Living Room Lockdown Challenge. Or Living Room Lockdown Show, excuse me. 
Oh, wow. And uh, as a clown named Murray, he was the first one I did. And he's the only one that I've done that I actually knew who he was and what he was going to be and do. But because otherwise, it, it's all improv on your end. Yeah, every bit of it. The characters, I never knew who they were until I put on the mustache or the wig or whatever, and then I knew. And it's all one take and all improv. Well, I got some homework now. Yeah, um, you'll like the Christmas special I did. It actually introduced a new character during that, a guy named Wayne. Cool. But yeah, I've actually got a film sometime this weekend. Uh, I do like the Hot Peppers like the reapers and those things i do those and uh, wait a minute you're eating hot peppers yeah i eat those yeah oh my gosh you are from georgia holy cow well i tell you a few about a month ago or when this thing first started i posted a amazon list with all the little challenges on it and different hot sauces i wanted to try and you know i posted that and i said anybody orders anything from it i'll i'll video while i'm doing it and you can pick the character and what i'm doing (laughs) <laughs> and uh i've had a couple of people actually send me stuff one of them was a thing called the toe of satan which is a lollipop that's made out of pure extract which is about nine million scoville units I oh come on a, and you ate it yes and i did it as wayne reading the little engine that could huh. and, Okay, I, I definitely have got to check this out. Oh, I, I love hot stuff, but that thing was ridiculous. The little engine couldn't. Oh, it was rough. <laughs> he couldn't. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll live vicariously through you because I'm not going to try any of that oh, stuff. Oh, that, that thing was ridiculous. But there's another thing out right now called the white chocolate challenge. Okay. And it doesn't have extract in it, but there's a new pepper made by the same guy who made the Carolina Reaper, and it's called Pepper X. And... It is ridiculous. I've had the peanuts with it on there, and it's it's rough. Wow. But this thing is a square of white chocolate, and it's got 12 of the world's hottest peppers in it. Six of them are variations on pepper eggs. Okay, so you've done a lot of these things. I just have to ask the question because I've never been able to. Why? Why do you put yourself through this? Is it the taste? Is it just to conquer it? I mean, I'm worried you're going to end up in the hospital. People need to laugh. <laughs> okay. People That's need good. to laugh. Yep. But, uh, yeah, this one, the guy that sent it to me, he, he wants me to do my clown Murray reading 50 shades of gray while I'm doing this thing. So that's going to be fun. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Keep your eyes peeled for that one. At least you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Yeah. And normally I, I don't eat the hottest stuff. I do like hot sauce and hot peppers. Cause I mean, I, I just like them, but there's an art to cooking and, and doing, doing stuff with those where, yeah, you get some of the heat, but you get flavor, too, and it doesn't make it a miserable thing. Yeah. Now, the challenge that, that's is why I enjoy jalapenos, especially when uh, when I'm smoking them, and I'll put the jalapenos on the top of the ribs. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you just get that little bit of heat, but it doesn't seep in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Have you done candied jalapenos yet? Oh, I have, yep. Oh, they're yep. amazing. I think they call those uh, Texas candy or something yeah, like ca- that. Cowboy candy. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep, they are amazing. Uh, but no, whenever I'm cooking with hot stuff around here, you know, I don't I don't use the ridiculous stuff. I'll make stuff with jalapeno or habanero at the most around here because my wife and kids aren't real big on really hot stuff. And I, I uh-huh. can dig it. Yeah, it seems like only one person out of every family tends to dig all the hot stuff. 
and everybody else has to just kind of deal with it. And they're, you know, they're thinking, man, this is really hot. And you're, you're like, this is nothing. This is like a two on my spice scale. Yeah. Yeah. No, the kids no, will freak out over that stuff. No, we do have a horseradish. I'm actually out of it. And I've got to order some more. It's called nasal napalm. And <laughs> it is possibly the hottest horseradish I've had, but it is so good. My wife even likes it because it's a nice, strong horseradish. Well, it'll clean out your sinuses. Oh, it'll clean out the guy next to your sinuses. <laughs> oh, man, but it's so good. But I ordered that from a place called the Pepper Palace, and uh, it's it's pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Well, I know you you told me you had submitted a pilot. So yeah. what, what yeah, kind of so pilot you got? In 2010, the follow-up film to Tomorrow for a Dollar was called Diary of an Ex-Child Star. So you can still get that movie on Amazon along with Tomorrow for a Dollar. But Diary of an Ex-Child Star followed a girl who was a, teen, well, a teenager, and her show is at the height of its popularity when it gets canceled. So instead of just going back and getting another show, her parents decided to move her back to her small hometown far away from California. And then she's got to live a normal life. So if you remember back then, and you're kind of older and your kids are, you got boys, I think, right? I got girls. Oh, you yeah. got girls, so you know all about Hannah Montana. Oh, dude, I put Disney Hannah Channel Montana show. through college and bought her her first car. <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah. Well, the, so the premise of that show is the fact that she was a star trying to hide who she was. Mm-hmm. Our premise, we flipped that and made it where this teenager could not escape who she was and had to kind of deal with being popular and famous in a very small setting. So that's kind of what the film was about, and we thought – this would make a really good dramatic television series, something for like an ABC family or maybe even a Nickelodeon like drama series kind of thing. So I started contacting a lot of former child stars, sending them the movie and pitching it. And it got the attention of Beverly Mitchell from seventh heaven. She was interested pretty much right away. And from there we started getting on the phone and talking out the whole character development and where the series could go. And we decided that the movie script wasn't strong enough to pitch, that we had to rewrite it as a pilot so we could shape it and form it the way that they thought could sell. Mm. And so we did that over a series of months and did get to pitch it to networks like the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. And we pitched it several times, but unfortunately nothing ever came out of it. The funny thing is every couple of years I hear from them and they're like, hey, there's renewed interest in the show. Now I've gotten to the point where I kind of disregard those emails because nothing has ever happened. It's almost been a decade. So um, I think that television has moved in a different direction from what we were pitching mm-hmm. all those years ago. But certainly it was a fun experience and something that shaped, you know, my knowledge of the industry uh, in a different direction. Yeah. Well, one good thing about, about now, you know, as opposed to 10 years ago, you got Netflix and, and Amazon and Hulu and all these streaming places that are just starving for content right now yeah especially they're going to be too and you can see that with network television now with this coronavirus shutdown everything is just you know nothing new has been coming out obviously because anything that they've been holding on to um you know the series have come to their season end so as soon as production can ramp up i think it's going to be still a couple months behind to where we actually see new things on television so it's a good time to catch up on all these shows. Uh, yeah. One of them that I found was called uh, The Man in the High Castle. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this on Amazon Prime, but 
Uh, that's a fascinating show about what would have happened if uh, the United States lost World War II. Yeah. So the Nazis took over the east side of the country and Japanese on the west side. And uh, it's it's intriguing. I'm only on season two, but that's a show that my wife and I have been binging just because there's nothing real new happening right now. I tell you, I found something. Uh, I actually found it through the podcast. Uh, you remember Sean Kanan played the bad guy, Mike Barnes, in Karate Kid 3? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, he, you know, went on, he did several soap operas, and he's he's had a great career. And he is doing a show right now called Studio City. And it's on Amazon Prime. And it's really short episodes. It's a, it's a strange format. It's like 10 or 15 minute long episodes. And it's about an aging soap star. And not really, it doesn't really concentrate on the show, but more about his life. And it's really good. And it's, it's that's something right, I would be interested in checking out right now. It's only about six or seven episodes because once again, the Corona, you know, throws the kibosh on everything, but talking to him, you know, he's wanting to do, put him, put him into normal length episodes now and get this thing going. And it's when, when they asked me to watch it for the, for the podcast, I thought, yeah, I'll watch it. I'm about soap operas. And at the end of it, I was like, damn it. I want more. Wow. But it's it's really good. Out. Sean, okay. Sean did a great job, you know. But yeah, binge watching. Oh, been there, and I, I, I'm so sad because I I have things like Sons of Anarchy. I've watched it probably five or six times all the way through. Breaking Bad, um, the old Showtime show Weeds. I wa- yes, I've watched. Yes, Weeds was it. great. Now, yep. I'm actually going through it about the ninth time right now. Wow. But yeah, I don't I'm, think I've watched any show nine times, but yeah. certainly I watched Weeds all the way through. Yeah, I'm I'm pitiful, man. I I'll, I'll watch something and I'll I'll finally find something new and I'll get done with it and have that big sense of emptiness that that just hole in me somewhere because it's over. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just while I'm trying to figure out what else to watch, I'll say, well, I'm going to watch an episode of this and then I'll start binging it again. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of shows where I felt really sad. Things have ended. Dexter was one of them. Like when that was done, I really just wanted it to keep going forever you know it didn't matter how many times he didn't get caught yeah. i still wanted to see more yeah yeah and you know that's the mark of a great show you know that makes the people you know they they want to see it they want to see more of it they they're not concerned with okay they did this about 17 seasons ago who cares right yeah <laughs> but uh you know and and i know I saw on your on the fan counters page one one show that you've you've done a couple of people from, and it's an old show. Ninety nine percent of my audience and your audience probably never saw it live, or what I say live, but new episodes. But I guarantee, if anybody has any sense of history, they have seen it on TV somewhere, and that's Leave It to Beaver. That is so cool yeah. with Jerry Mathers on there, you know. You know, we have been having a really good time reuniting the cast of the new leave it to beaver mm-hmm. on the fan counters podcast we've had we started with jerry mathers we had tony dow on that new leave to beaver show tony's wife was named um janice kent so janice kent was uh, on the show then their daughter on the show was kalina kiff she she joined us beaver's sons kip marcus joined us uh and then just last week we put out an episode with Christian and Eric Osmond, the sons of Ken Osmond, Man. which we actually taped about two weeks before Ken died. Yeah, I was fixing and, I just lost Ken. Yeah, we were trying to get him on the show. In fact, I was emailing his wife back and forth for like two months 
in March and April, I figured with the coronavirus and everything, everybody was sitting at home doing nothing anyway. Yeah. But even then, his health was not so good where she even told me, she says, uh, his health is all physical and not mental, thank goodness. So it seemed like he was there mentally to the end, yeah. but had a lot of physical limitations, which made him not want to do an interview. So uh, that was sad because I really was excited to kind of round out the stars of that show on our podcast, but mm. uh, we've pretty much got everybody else around that show already on the show. So yeah. it was, it, they've been really fun. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, you know, if you look back at some of mine, I've done a lot of people who haven't done a lot of things for a long time, but you know, for me, a lot of them are my childhood people. And mm-hmm. I look at this, everybody has something to offer. And I've had yeah. a lot of fun with it. I would love to do Jerry and Tony. That would be so cool. Jerry Mathers is really easy to interview and easy to contact. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He does a lot of podcasts. I think he just really enjoys talking about the show. And it's not really just him reminiscing about his glory days, but he knows that people want to talk to him about it. Yeah. People still have questions about a show that premiered like 50 years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. And he'll answer anything. He's an open book. And he's totally, you know, all there as far as his memories of, uh, I mean, he can remember the most random facts and, and you learn something different. And I've listened to a lot of Jerry Mathers interviews. Mm. You learn something different in every single one. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I know when I'm, when I've got somebody, I try and make it a point Well, I did it first, you know, one, don't fanboy out because that'll make it a really short episode. Right. And uh, I, I figured the first time you get somebody big on your show and you go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, then they're going to leave. But uh, at first I didn't want to, you know, like when I had Scott Schwartz on the show, you know, everybody knows him as the kid that put his tongue on the pole. In, the flag pole, yeah. And uh, I didn't want to concentrate on that because I thought, man, he's he's probably so tired of that. He probably just wants to cut down every flagpole he's ever seen. And <laughs> toward the end of it, you know, I asked him, I said, all right, I got to address the elephant in the room. He said, what's that? I said, the flagpole. And he was happy to talk about it. When I talked to him afterwards, he's like, I know people are going to ask about it. I've come to peace with it. It's part of what I am. You know, I'm, I'm happy to answer these. And I figured out they're happy to answer questions about things. And if they're not, people will tell you. So that's pretty neat. You know, I finally, finally getting more refined and, and understanding, okay, this person was, was this character and they, they're proud of it. And okay, let's roll with it. Yeah, early on, I don't think we ever really felt starstruck around one of our guests. Mm-hmm. Everything seems pretty natural. Um, the one that I was really excited about most recently was Richard Karn that I had on. Yeah. Um, great guy, Steve Joyner. He helped me get him on the show. And uh, with Richard Karn, it was funny because you, when you think of him, you think of... Tim Allen. Yeah, Home Improvement. So yeah. I started out my interview with him and I said... All right, let's get this out of the way. I said, let's talk about the role you're most famous for. And that was, and I forget the character's name, in Something Something for Christmas. And he just laughed because I was talking about his Christmas movies he did for the Hallmark Channel as his, uh, you know, marquee role. So uh, that was kind of a fun way to break the ice and not go right into the home improvement stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that really helped, you know, make him more comfortable on the show because he got to talk about something probably not everybody's asking him about. Oh, oddly enough, you know, when. Uh... Uh, one of my favorite movies that he's ever done was one of the Hallmark Christmas movies, Christmas Land. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that I movie. I think this one was Check Into Christmas that we had talked about. I mean, he's done a bunch. And yeah. 
I'm a sucker for those Hallmark Christmas movies. Yeah, well, I don't miss them. I live with a wife and two teenage daughters, man. I've got to watch them because if I don't, <laughs> then yeah, there's nothing to watch. <laughs> well, then during the holiday season, you're not spending any time with them if you're not watching those movies. Yeah. Yeah, so we we do the the Hallmark movies. I'm I, it, and I really make them mad when I tell them I know what's going to happen because of the formula. <laughs> right. And they finally told me we don't care about the formula. We like the show. Right. Like, okay, exactly. But this is what's going to happen. Shut up. <laughs> it's, it's so much fun. You know who, who has been one of your favorite? If if you had you know besides Richard, if you had to pick somebody that was just such an amazing interview that you just weren't expecting well have you watched the we tv series love after lockup i have i've seen little pieces of it but i hadn't seen a whole episode Brad, of it. you are missing a gem of a show um <laughs> right. we this have been one. lucky enough to team up with sharp entertainment and we have been interviewing um pretty much all of the cast of that show from the multiple seasons and the stories that these people can tell you, I mean, the reality TV stars, yes, but the fact that some of them have been in jail, and if they haven't, then they're dating the person in jail. Like the stories that these people pull out are um, very fascinating. So we've done kind of a reunion of those. Sometimes we get on themes where we'll pick the show and then we just start getting all the people on it. But the one interview I, I, this is one that I, it took me, I would say a year and a half to land. I had started talking about this guest, uh, probably like November around Thanksgiving time of, uh, whatever year, but I didn't get him until a year and a half later. It took that long. And that would be, uh, the first, I think he was the first winner. No, no, he wasn't. He was like the second or third winner of America's got talent. And I'm talking about Terry Fader. He's that ventriloquist with the puppets. Yeah, he sings. He's like one of the most successful Americans Got Talent winners ever because not only did he start the whole Las Vegas show thing, because remember that was his dream. Yeah. If he won America's Got Talent, he wanted to have a show in Vegas. He's been there ever since. Yeah. And he's, he's so, a big name there too. Yeah. It was a really fun interview. Uh, and it was one where they're like, well, we can only give you 20 minutes. And you know, long form podcasts, we like to go on for 30 minutes to an hour if we can have enough content. Yeah. But I had to really narrow down the questions so I could get right to it. And so what he's got one of my very fame favorite um, celebrity stories, because, you know, we always ask our guests, what's your most memorable encounter with a fan? And he goes, it's really funny. He says it was before um, he, he had just won America's got talent and he flew into Las Vegas for the Jerry Lewis telethon. So as he, you know, he did the telethon and everything and he was at the airport just getting ready to board his flight. And this woman comes up and he, she's screaming. She's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what are you doing here? And Terry says, uh, I was at the MDA telethon. And she goes, I specifically came here to Las Vegas to go to the telethon, hoping that I would run into a celebrity. And I finally did <laughs> without missing a beat. Terry goes, oh, yeah, who'd you run into? <laughs> and she's like, you. And he goes, it's so weird. He goes, I don't. You know, although I was on that TV show, he goes, I didn't, and I still don't consider myself a celebrity. Yeah. And those are the things that, like I find very fascinating because if you're in the spotlight, life is totally different for you. And I try and really find out what that's like for them because there's not many people that are real candid about the fact that I can't go to a grocery store, you know, without being bothered. Yeah. And it's not that people are doing it out of because they're mean or whatever. It's just you don't expect to be 
grocery shopping and see somebody like Harry Fader or Bruce Willis or whoever walking down the aisle, you're going to fan out. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, I've been talking back and forth on, on Twitter with Diedrich Bader, you know, from American housewife. And mm-hmm. I've, I've just always been a fan and he's, he is really good about talking to people on, on Twitter. And, uh, he, he did a post not too long ago that where he was in the grocery store and he found himself singing summer of 69 fairly <laughs> loud and looked up and he was standing next to Clarence Williams, the third. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, and, you know, you just don't imagine this, you know, you imagine one celebrity in the grocery store and all of a sudden they embarrass herself in front of another one right there. And that's just, that would be so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other guests that I had that your daughters would probably really geek out about is Stephen Kramer Glickman. Mm-hmm. He was on Big Time Rush. He played Gustavo, the music producer of the band oh, for um, Big Time Rush. Yeah. This is one of the weirdest interviews I ever had because normally when you ask about fan encounters, you, you think you're just going to get something about randomly seeing somebody on the set and you know fans talking to them. and that. But that's not the story I got from Stephen. Stephen told me that at the height of his fame with big time rush it was just him and single moms and i thought okay where's the story gonna go from here he's the first celebrity to tell me that he would drive all over southern california to hook up with the single moms and sleep with them (laughs) (laughs) he said there was one time um there was a mom that he had you know had relations with the night before he wakes up and he goes downstairs to cook the, the mother breakfast unknowing that the kids were also there. He had to have known. But um, the kids come downstairs and they're like, uh, Mom, what is Gustavo doing here from Big Time Rush? And he goes, I'm sleeping with your mom. Have a good day at school, kids. <laughs> nice. Uh, never have I gotten uh, actor or anybody to admit that they've had relations with fans before. and that So that was the first. That was pretty pretty awesome i think i was pretty speechless too he goes that's not what you were expected to hear was it i was like (laughs) nope because i didn't think in this day and age somebody would uh admit that it's an amazing story you know that i admire the honesty that is it's exactly yep you know he he reminds me of a a fire chief i used to have that i've I've known for years and I, i love him like a brother you know he'll tell you i've never done anything that i regret and he doesn't hide anything good, bad, or ugly about his past. And he's such a great guy. And uh, Glickman sounds like the same thing. <laughs> yeah, totally an open book. <laughs> and I love that because then you know they're really not hiding anything. Now, he and his publicist probably had words after that interview, but uh, it made for a really good, fun story. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I saw where you did Chris Knight from the Brady Bunch. How did you land Peter? That's cool. Well, you know, it's a lot of casting and waiting, like you're fishing, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't, it just takes a long time to get to some of these people. Yeah. Um, Christopher Knight, though, was pretty amazing. We have, every time we have a couple pages of questions, we're all constantly crossing stuff off as we go through because we know that they don't have an, a, a lot of time or they're not going to give you a lot of time. But he did. I mean, he gave us two hours. He goes, you know, I know you guys prepped really well for this interview. And, you know, if you've got more, just keep firing away. And at one point we were interrupted by his doorbell. You know, he had something happening at the door. And we're just, we just waited. You know, it was, it was really cool. Uh, Christopher Knight was a, a really good guy. Yeah. Um, he's doing furniture now, isn't he? Like full time? Yeah. He designs uh, furniture that can ship. So uh, 
I think that's kind of weird because I would never buy like a couch or something that I've never sat in before. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does it where the they can package it for a low cost and ship it right to your door. Nice. But he had a good story because he has some of our favorite bathroom encounter stories that uh, when celebrities get approached in the bathroom. That happens a lot at, more than you think. <laughs> I think that's an odd place. Like I saw Dennis Haskins from Say by the Bell in a bathroom. Uh-huh. And I waited till he got out of the bathroom before I approached him. <laughs> yeah, I was I was listening to somebody the other day, and they said that uh, they were eating somewhere, and so they got up, and they were eating alone, and got up and went to the bathroom. And as soon as he sat down, somebody came in. He heard a little tap on the door, and they said, "We're so sorry. We didn't want to bother you while you were eating." Uh, like, really? So they bothered him in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it? I can't remember who it was. I will remember eventually, though. Well, that's okay. But it was hilarious. I think it was, it wasn't Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, that would have been good. Oh, man. Um, I can't remember who it was. I'm gonna. That's going to drive me crazy. i got to think, remember now. But, um, yeah, he, he did everything I've ever seen him in. He seems like he's a really down-to-earth guy and just, you know, is for the fans because he, he gets it. The fans are who make you. Oh, for sure. Yep. And, you know, those roles that they're so iconic in. I mean, he played Peter Brady for, like, what, 20 years yeah. based on all the TV shows and specials and movies and all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but he embraces that as well. You know, he knows that that's just a part of who he is. And, you know, it's funny that he's, I, I think it was him who said that some actors try and detach themselves from those iconic roles. And it's like, you're going to fight it more than if you would just embrace it and take it on, you know? Yeah. This is something you did, and uh, he certainly takes it on and makes the best of it. Yeah, and that's that's cool, and I, I like when actors do that because I can imagine, you know, being being remembered just, okay, I'm this person, and it's 30 years later. Come on, I've done so much other stuff. But at the same time, you got to sit and think, these people remember what you did for 30 years ago and still love it. You know, that's yep. an accomplishment. That is not something everybody does. Right. How many things do you want to know about from 30 years ago? Exactly. Probably not that many. Exactly. You know, and I love it when, when celebrities finally say, you know, I'm just going to lean into it some. And things just seem to go smoother with them. Now, I don't want to let your listeners um, down because they'll be like, well, what was the bathroom story? So let me just tell you. Oh, yeah. That. I forgot about it. I get sidetracked easy. Look, oh, that's all right. <laughs> So Christopher Knight was at some bar that had, I don't know if you've ever been up to here to Chicago with Wrigley Field where you're peeing in a trough, but uh, similar situation. Apparently this urinal was uh, built into the wall. So it was just a bunch of guys hanging around this little trough thing doing their business. And, and that's what he found himself doing when a fan came into the bathroom and he's like, Oh my God, Peter Brady. And he slaps Chris Knight on the back, launches him kind of into the urinal and before he knew it, he was already peeing on his shoe. Uh, so that was kind of like, you could have waited, dude, before you completely assaulted me into the urinal. Yeah, and never walk up to one of the, because I've been in bars that have those. Never walk up to somebody, slap them on the back, and start your words <laughs> with Peter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> never now, good. Now, he tells the story a lot better than I did, so you can go back and listen. But, um, yeah, Christopher Knight's a good guy. <laughs> But yeah, uh, and you know, I just, I, I, like I said, I've looked back, and you, you've had so many great people on, and it's it's so much fun to do it. You know, I've done podcasts where I interview celebrities, I interview other podcasters like now, and 
you know, I've done solo things. And what's funny is right before the Corona thing hit, um, you can go back and there's one episode of it on my podcast. I was going to do kind of a radio play thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was called Alone, where basically the premise of it is this guy wakes up one morning and everybody's gone. I mean, the power's still on. Everything's normal. Just there's, he's the only person anywhere. It's like the rapture. So he gets a, a ham radio and the podcast is him trying to find somebody. And I added, oh, he's, li- he's listening to a, a previously recorded episode of himself. No, he's he's actually on there trying to. It, oh, it's okay. like it's, I'm recording him talking on the radio, trying to get out to people. Ah, that's cool. And uh, it it was a really short one. It was just the first one, and I said, "Okay, we're going to develop this thing." And then all of a sudden, the Corona thing hit. I'm like, "Nope, done with this." <laughs> <laughs> Too real or what? <laughs> I don't know, but it was it was weird. <laughs> But uh, I think it'd be fun, to, fun to fun to do once all this stuff's over with and things get halfway normal. I hope we get to that point again. I do too. I'm I'm elbow deep in this stuff, you know, being a paramedic with the corona and the riots and everything. Yeah. But I've got to say, the people near me with the riots, I'm so proud. Everybody has just taken the high road and they, they protest, and I can understand that. You know, God bless you. you. Everybody needs to protest sometimes. Well, look, we also all need equal rights for everybody. Exactly. We're all human beings on this planet. We're working together. We're here together. I just always wonder with wars and all this stuff, why can't we all just seriously get along and enjoy our lives? You know? Yeah. Why do we have to harass people and, uh, you know, target people for no reason? It just doesn't seem like there should be any place for that. So as far as getting equal rights and and, uh, stereotypes and all that broken down, I'm all for it. We got to we got to work together and. Just be good people to each other. Yeah, cause, I mean, you know, I'm the kind of guy, if I don't like you, I just leave you the hell alone. You know, that's it. I got a feeling you don't not like too many people, though. Oh, you'd be amazed. Really? Because I'm like, but no, I can't think of a lot of people I totally dislike. There's very few people. But not, Well, there's not a lot of people that I don't like. It just, you, you know, when you, somebody, somebody does something you don't like or whatever, then you, you just ask yourself, A, is this hurting me or my family? And uh, is it affecting us in any way bad? And uh, is this any of my concern? And mm-hmm. 99.999% of the time, the answer is nope. Sounds like uh, those are the same things we should be using when we're scrolling Facebook or something. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, does this affect me? Nope, just keep on moving. Yeah, it's funny. I'm, I've been on Facebook for almost 12 years now, and I'm so proud that I've not done anything political, anything, you know, about the the thing that's happening right now that everybody's talking about. I've just, I've always just put stupid memes and stupid things on there. I remember one time, one of my biggest things I got on there, I just put a simple thing. It said corduroy pillows are making headlines. <laughs> and they got so many likes and shares. I was like, really just that? Well, it look, just tickled people, me. We all need distractions right now. Yeah. And something to, to keep our moods and spirits. I mean, because everything's so serious. And if you get, you could really easily get bogged down and depressed about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's fun. You know, with me having twin eight year olds, the messages that our school puts out are just so simple and positive. And this year, they were trying to have the message spread of do great things. Oh, no, do small things with great love. Nice. And that's kind of been the theme of our year we're just trying to think of all these small things that we can do put our love behind it and just hope we can change the world in some small way yeah 
Well, you know, whenever my, my daughters would go to school and uh, I'd see them off in the morning, I'd tell them, you know, have a good day, and I love them. And I'd say, do great things. You're a Pittman. You can do this. And I would also tell them, you know, do one thing to try and make somebody's day-to-day, even if it's just say, I like your hair or I like your shoes, just something. Mm-hmm. I said, that little thing can make somebody's entire day. It can turn it around. And... They, they do that, and it's it's pretty neat to know I had a hand in teaching them to do that. You know, that is a great parenting. That's, I mean, that's great. Yeah, this is the same dad that about a month ago they were watching. You know, they had gotten into Mama June, not to hot. Oh boy! Yeah, I know a lot about that show. Yeah, well, can't wait to hear what you're going to tell me. Apparently, season three is not on demand for free. Oh. And uh, they watched season one and two, and then season four, and I got a text from my youngest daughter about two o'clock one morning while I was at work, and that I, I worried because they don't never text or call me that time of night. And uh, I opened it up, and it said, Dad, can we order season three from Amazon? It's only $20. <laughs> I'm like, I'll talk to you in the morning. And I got home, and... I said, why do y'all want season three? You've seen season four. They said, yeah, but all the good stuff happens on three. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what episodes happen in which season, but <sighs> that yeah. shows a train wreck. <laughs> um, you know what's funny is I only live, I don't know where they're living at now, but um, I only live about 10 miles from where they were living when all that was going on. Oh, man. I would have been parking outside their house. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, they they um from what I understand they used to stay in the Walmart in the town where I work at. Oh wow. Yeah, I I never never encountered them. That's too bad. I would have liked the story <laughs> about that. That would have been fun. Oh man, that that would definitely be interesting. Well, I did have um, I forget her name. Uh, Hannah Stark is the the daughter. I can't remember what the mom's name was, but um. Hannah Stark was on the episode of the beauty pageant where Alana and Mama June, after she's hot, enter this beauty pageant. Mm-hmm. And um, they're real mean to her and everything. And we got the inside scoop from that show is that, you know, all those scenes with how mean Hannah was being to her was all just 100% scripted and fake. Okay. That they would do those scenes and then they go to lunch and sit together and have fun. And that that's kind of, I mean, like I know reality TV is not totally real, but. I don't like to be presented with stuff that they say is real. It's all, you know, all right, you're going to do this in this scene and this is what's going to happen. And, you know, if you don't do it right, we'll just do it again. It's like, yeah, that's, that's not what we think. That's not what you're presenting us that we're watching. And that's, I know I get mad and weird about, um, silly things like that, but that one is kind of a pet peeve. Yeah. And I I know producers have to kind of steer things sometimes, but like I say, just, don't but they're hired on that it. show to be the mean girls. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Just don't don't be stupid. Don't don't think everybody is an idiot, you know? We we can suspend disbelief. But just right. don't don't try and make us think we don't have to. Yeah, and don't keep the story alive after things like, you know, confessions come out that it was fake. Oh no, that really happened. No, it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, it didn't. These people might have broken their contract by speaking out, but it didn't. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you, man, it is. It, it this world tickles me today. You know, I remember when when I was a kid, nothing. I mean, we didn't have reality TV. We had three channels, and uh, 
I lived a little bit out in the country, so we only got two of them because one of them was way too snowy with our antenna. <laughs> and uh, the first time I saw Cable Man, oh, I thought that was amazing. My my cousins got HBO. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, you can watch movies at home? We were just so amazed by that. And now I'm like, yeah, I don't have HBO. I've got this one and this one. and. <laughs> yeah, well, but at that time too, when HBO was on, like those late night movies would be pretty, you know, risque oh, yes. for Max. a young viewer. Yes, yeah, Max. Oh yeah, and uh, you'd always be sneaking down in the middle of the night to to check out what was on. I remember that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. Not that I've did it. I remember people talking about that. Oh right, yes. And I, I remember remember people talking about scrambled porn. Well, yeah, trying to see through <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> the static oh yeah I think that's where um, you, you ever seen the ghost hunting shows and all those things where they'll have a video or a picture and they'll say oh that's matrixing where, that's matrixing yes yeah, we're, we're like if you see a pattern in something it looks like a face but oh. it's just the pattern and it's nothing and it's, your mind kind of fills it in I think that's, that's where th- where that came from was everybody watching scrambled porn back in the day. <laughs> hey, look! I think I see something. Exactly. Hit pause. <laughs> yep. Now, um, do you do you believe in ghosts? I think that there's supernatural things out there. Sure. Okay. Have you ever done the ghost hunting thing? No. Well, okay. Yes, I have. Uh, I was actually involved in a TV pilot called teen paranormal Mm -hmm. and we went to apparently there was these two teen mediums that could converse with the other side so we went actually this is when i was living in maryland to the site where james wilkes booth was shot Mm -hmm. and it's a historical site right now but we were allowed in to stay overnight in this barn building and apparently while we were up filming in the top area because i don't know why ghosts only come out at night but anyway um (laughs) We apparently had these teen mediums claim they crossed over some of the soldiers that were hanging around all this time. And I watched the footage over and over of them saying at what point this happened. Mm. I see nothing. I felt nothing when I was there. It was just so I think that there's some spiritual things out there. But um, that's uh, as far as being close to that experience. Somebody said they had the experience and I was there and I didn't have it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I used to do the ghost hunting thing. You know, we a group of mine, we, we would go out and do them, and we had the boat-loaded equipment and stuff. And I've got some really good EVPs. You know, for people who don't know that what that is, the electronic voice phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what's funny is yesterday I was editing a podcast. Matter of fact, it was after we talked. And I, I was editing a show yesterday, and at the beginning of it, I caught one. Really? Yeah. On your end or theirs? I'm not sure which end it was on, but it's a, it's a female whispering, and the person it was a female that I was on with, but she was there alone, and you know she didn't whisper, and I was down here in my basement alone and didn't whisper, and I what don't sound like a female. I I haven't edited enough or enhanced it enough to find out, but I, I'll actually send you the a copy of the audio because I, I that'd be awesome. If you hear out. anything on this end, you better let me know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I hear something coming through. It says, send Brad a million dollars. Oh, right. <laughs> I hope that works. 
That would I be only amazing. Take 50%, so it's going to be a deal. <laughs> that would be amazing. Hey, somebody sends me a million dollars, I will Western Union you half of it. <laughs> okay, here we go, guys. Oh, yeah. The challenge is on. <laughs> you come through for me, Internet. Prove that people listen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, man. But, yeah, you know, we was talking about the, the back in the day. Another one I saw you did. And this was a huge part of my Friday night. Linda Gray from Dallas. Oh, yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, Linda's, uh, again, one of those older stars that is completely got the weirdest and most dynamic stories about her time on that show and just kind of listening about her experience. Now, she didn't really have a lot of good fan encounters. Mm -hmm. Um, She would tell me more stories about people be like, well, you know, I remember where I was when JR was shot and that kind of stuff. Um, more of those kind of stories. But yeah, Linda was another person very generous with her time, gave us a couple hours. We split it into two episodes. And um, one of the weirdest things I think she ever did that I learned in that interview is she was doing a play in London where she had to be on stage fully nude. And I'm like, a, a, you know, a big American star like that, I wouldn't think would just go and do that kind of show. And she goes, you know, I was really nervous about it and how they were going to you know, light it. And she goes, it was six seconds, but it was like six seconds of, you know, that felt like forever, six minutes. And, uh, you know, those are some of the fun stories that you get to hear too. Just the behind the scenes of how they really felt when they had to take on a project. And it's like, well, why did you do something where you had to be nude? Cause I mean, for me, I would draw the line at that. Cause like once you're nude on screen or something, you're there forever. So something you got to really think about, but yeah. yeah, Linda Gray is a sweetheart. Yeah, I remember I had a, I, I was a kid then, and I had a light blue T-shirt with a picture of Jr. on the front of it, and it, it said, I shot Jr." <laughs> I remember that T-shirt clearly, as if That's as true. if I were pulling it out of my drawer right now. I will call Linda Gray out, though, because she was going to hook me up with a Patrick Duffy interview, and uh-huh. then that never happened. So. Oh, man. I'm a little bummed about it. You can only follow up with these people so many times before you're pretty sure they blocked your phone number. <laughs> Yeah. I don't think she'll pick up my call anymore. <laughs> but she promised. So, Linda, hook it up. Oh, man. Well, hopefully she's listening to this. That would be and, great, right? And she will hear that. She'll be your next interview. Hey, that'd be awesome. I would not turn her down. <laughs> that would be great. So, Linda, all you got to do, email me, bradscomedy at yahoo.com, and uh, I will I will give you all the time you need. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, man, I have had a ball with this today. Um, you know you're welcome on here anytime. Uh, all you got to do well, is holler you. and say, hey, fat boy, I want to talk. And <laughs> we're on. Well, we'll actually have to talk about smoking meat next time. Oh, yeah. I have a smoker. What what kind of smoker do you have? Right now, I'm just using a Weber kettle. Okay. I'm not the biggest fan of it because I've used, uh, I've had a propane smoker. I've had one of the digital electrics. And I'm I'm a fan of a stick burner. Um, the electric I always used when I made sausage because I can keep everything precise. Mm-hmm. Um, the propane was really good because it gave a good constant temperature and it, it worked great. I, I just love a stick burner because you got to put the effort in with it. Oh yeah, for sure. Now I've got the Green Mountain Grill, Daniel Boone version, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. It's got Wi-Fi. I can be at the grocery store and check my meat. I can be at somebody's house and be like, oh, time for dinner. Let's go. Yep. Um, I just love it. So. Uh, can't recommend that one enough and i'm not getting paid to say that 
nice. just really love my smoker. I used to have Traeger, but Green Mountain Grills is a step above. Yeah. See, I can't get behind the pellet grills right now. I just, I understand them, and I it's a great concept. To me, it just, the, it, well, how would I put this? A lot of the people who use the pellets are really obnoxious about it, and it gets on my last nerve. And it's Why, because they're bragging about it, or what? Well, not that they're bragging. They're just really obnoxious about them. A lot of, a lot of people are. Not all of them, just a lot of them. So it's kind huh. of turned me off on wanting a pellet grill. Interesting. Yeah, and where well, I'm I'll from, be the one person that's not. I like it, but you know. Yeah. Well, it's not the only kind of smoking. I get that. Yeah, and where, where I'm from, they actually make Rectech. So, you know, I don't know. One day I may break down and get one. Who knows? But. All right. Well, next time I come on, I'll share. We'll share recipes. That'll work. <laughs> do, do you ever do pork butts? Oh yeah, all the time. That's how you make great pork yep here's what you need to put on your butt next time you make one all right tell me simple rub equal parts chili powder and country time lemonade mix really That's are it. you kidding the sugar in the country time caramelizes and the chili powder gives it just a little bit of spice and once in a while i'll inject it with a little bit of lemonade man i never would have thought to do that i've got lemonade one lemonade mix i've got one rub that has 30 ingredients in it and it's a great rub but this one is my go-to. It's simple, takes two seconds to make, and everybody loves it. I'm doing it next time, and I have Country Time Lemonade Mix in my pantry. So. Yep. All right, sounds like a weekend project. Oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. This hey. has been a blast. I really yep. appreciate it. Anytime, and in my show notes, I'm going to make sure that I do put for people to go to fancounters.com so they can check it out. That would be great. Yep, we're, we're available anywhere you're available, so if they're subscribed to you, Come on over and subscribe to us, too. Outstanding.